A reading from the sixth chapter of the Epistle to the Romans, beginning with the twelfth verse. Therefore, do not let sin exercise dominion in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. No longer present your members to sin as instruments of wickedness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And to present your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but grace. What then? Should we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of whom you obey? either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you, having once been slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. And that you, having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented yourselves, your members, as slaves to impurity and to greater and greater iniquity, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness for sanctification. When you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. So what advantage did you then get from the things of which you are now ashamed? The end of those things is death. But now that you have been freed from sin and enslaved to God, the advantage you get is sanctification. The end is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The words free gift are important for Christians. Especially the word free. That's why it's in bold in your title, in your print, in your bulletin. The word that's translated free gift is a single word, charisma, from the Greek. And it means that which is freely and graciously given. That something is freely given. I want to share with you a story about Garrison Johns. A bully that entered the life of Eugene Peterson. Eugene Peterson is a pastor that many, 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 many pastors of many denominations really, really look up to. Y'all catch that? He's important to a lot of us. This is his memoir called Pastor. And he writes about his meeting Garrison Johns. He writes this. About the third day after entering first grade, Garrison discovered me and took me on as his project for that year. He gave me a working knowledge of what 25 years later Richard Niebuhr would give me a more sophisticated understanding of the tension between Christ and culture. I'd been taught in Sunday school not to fight, and so I'd never learned to use my fists. 
I had been prepared for the wider world of neighborhood and school by memorizing, bless those who persecute you and turn the other cheek. I don't know how Garrison Johns knew that about me, some sixth sense that bullies have, I suppose, but he picked me for his sport. Most afternoons after school, he would catch me and beat me up. He also found out that I was a Christian, and he taunted me by calling me Jesus Sissy. I tried finding alternate ways home by making detours through alleys, but he stalked me and always found me. I arrived home most afternoons bruised and humiliated. My mother told me that this had always been the way of Christians in the world, and that I had better get used to it. I was also supposed to pray for him. The Bible verses that I had memorized, bless, and turn, began to get tiresome. I loved going to school. I was learning a lot, finding new friends, adoring my teacher. The classroom was a wonderful place. But after the dismissal bell, each day I had to face Garrison Johns and get my daily beating that I was supposed to assimilate as my blessing. March came. I remember it was March by the weather. The winter snow was melting, but there were still patches of it here and there. The days were getting longer. I was no longer walking home in the late afternoon dark. And then something unexpected happened. I was with my neighborhood friends on this day, seven or eight of them, when Garrison caught up with us and started in on me, jabbing and taunting, working himself up to the main event. He had an audience, and that helped. He always did better with an audience. That's when it happened. Totally uncalculated, totally out of character, something snapped within me. For just a moment, the Bible verses disappeared from my consciousness, and I grabbed Garrison. To my surprise and his, I realized that I was stronger than he was. I wrestled him to the ground, sat on his chest, pinned his arms to the ground with my knees. I couldn't believe it. He was helpless under me. At my mercy, it was too good to be true. I hit him in the face with my fists. It felt good, and I hit him again. Blood spurted from his nose, a lovely crimson on the snow. By this time, all the other children were cheering and egging me on, black his eyes, bust his teeth. A torrent of biblical invective poured from them, although nothing compared with what I would later in life read in the Psalms. I said to Garrison, say uncle. He wouldn't say it. I hit him again. More blood, more cheering. Now my audience was bringing out the best in me. And then my Christian training reasserted itself. I said, say I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. He wouldn't say it. So I hit him again. More blood. I tried again. Say, I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And he said it. Garrison Johns was my first Christian convert. (laughs) It's an odd thing to me. To personally know of times when I've heard what Paul has written to the Romans to be good news, heard to beat people up, to get them to say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. 
I've heard that so many times. The wages of sin and death, the preacher would say. Not any of my pastors, but friends' pastors. And somehow people were supposed to be bullied and oppressed into crying out and screaming and wriggling their way to the front of the church. But I ask you, do we really believe that God wants us to be bullied into loving Him? It doesn't appear to be the message that Paul is sending, does it? It appears to me that what Paul is offering is comfort. For us to know that while sometimes we sin, sin does not reign in us because of what Christ has done for us. That though sometimes we struggle, death will not have the final say for us because we've received a free gift from God. And that's where the free becomes important. Because God does not long to force us to love Him. God does not long to force us into salvation. God invites us into salvation by giving us the gift of salvation. God is not a cosmic bully looking just to make people feel bad about themselves so that they can receive Him. What if it were different? What if we focused more on the second part of that sentence? What if we heard the whole thing, the wages of sin and death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord? Boy, it sounds better then, doesn't it? If you ever find yourself in a situation where you're talking with someone who is struggling with sin who is struggling with hurt, and if you feel a desire to break out the wages of sin as death on them, at least do them the right thing. Do the right thing and give them the rest of the good news. The wages of sin truly is death. Sin came into the world and brought death with it, and we're all going to die. That's true. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the free gift of God, is eternal life. That, dear ones, is a free gift. Can you all see that? Sometimes I wish I had a big screen and a camera. See that little fella? That's a wooden angel holding a guitar with a halo. My mama gave me that because I'm her little angel and I started learning to play guitar. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I bought one in 1992 and the horrible thing is I'm still bad at it. (laughs) Yep, never had enough sense to stick out with any lessons or anything like that. But that sits on my bookshelf. That's a free gift. She gave that to me with nothing attached. I didn't have to give anything back. She didn't want anything back. She just wanted me to know I was her little angel who was wanting to learn to play a guitar. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? That's a free gift. Any of y'all got any free gifts at home? Anybody? You can shake your head. Play the game with the preacher. It'll be okay. (laughs) This is not a free gift. John, you got one of those, don't you? No? John can't see it. He don't want to admit it. (laughs) That was not a free gift. I had to pay for that. It was supposed to be a free gift. On the little postcard that I sent back to BASS, that's the Bass Angler Sportsman Society. Y'all can't see it. I'm sorry. It says Bass Member. See that? Bass Angler Sportsman Society told me that if I would send them $32.95... They would send me a free gift, and they did. They sent me this bag. They sent me a hat that was supposed to be green and is nearly pink that I will not wear. And they sent me a spool of line, I think, and three plastic worms. 
They called it a gift, but I had to pay for it, didn't I? I paid for that. I paid for that bag. When that bag, the zipper on it breaks, I'm not going to care a thing about it. I'm going to toss it. But if the little head over pops off that angel, I'm going to buy a tube of super glue and fix it. It's important because it was freely given. It's a free gift. A free gift. A free, free, free gift. A free gift. The bag was given in thanks. That's true. But it was not given in love. And a gift given in love has to be freely given. Have you ever gotten something from somebody and you knew that they gave it to you because they were expecting you to give them something next year? Have you ever had anybody one-up you in their Christmas gift because they knew you would have to one-up them next year? That's wrong. Have you ever had anybody do something for you and knew you were going to owe them? Made you feel kind of uneasy? Or maybe they said, you owe me? That's not a free gift, is it? That's the kind of gift that just reminds you of your need. It just reminds you of the fact that you can't do something to help yourself. Why would God give us a free gift? Why does the gift of eternal life have to be a free gift? Why couldn't we have to earn it? Why couldn't we have to do something to get eternal life? Maybe it's because the only thing we ever really did earn is death. And God knows that we're just not capable of living up to the standard that God put before us. And that we need God's grace and God's mercy. And so God gives us a free gift. And here's the thing, in order for the gift of life to be an eternal gift, for the gift of life to be a gift of eternal life, the gift of life has to be a free gift. Otherwise, we would have to constantly be earning it. I told this story in the Sunday School Assembly. Y'all forgive me for telling it again, but it's part of the sermon, so I have to. I went on vacation last week, and I really wanted to just be calm and even, you know, have a sinless week. You ever felt like that? This is going to be a sinless, good week. Y'all won't worry about that? Yeah, well, you should. <laughs> so, I'm thinking this, this is going to be the one. Well, we go out on a particularly windy day, and when you're at Lake Erie, every day is windy. It's just the particularly windy days. It gets, you know, and then we had some of them waves that are doing like this, and had the boat pointed in the right direction with a drift sock so that it was just, it was not, it was like, once you got in the rhythm, you just felt like doing your hand, you know, like them guys on them bulls. And it was okay, but the problem happened that I needed to take a step. And when you take a step in a wave, it hits at the same time, you move. Because you can't balance on one foot in a wave. And I moved, and my left foot came down on my really pretty Fluger President reel which then became like four or five pieces of a really pretty Fluger President reel. And I said a bad word. <laughs> and I sinned. That quick. That easy to do. What if that day I had had to earn my eternal life? I'd just blown it, didn't I? I just blew it. I committed a sin. No longer clean that day. Can you imagine how hard it would be for us to constantly have to earn the gift 
of God's grace. What if God's grace and mercy were like this bag and I had to constantly send God a check to get it? I'm going to run out of money pretty quick. But God's gift is not like this. God's gift is free. God's gift is free. Requires nothing on our behalf but trusting that the gift is free. God requires nothing of us but that we trust God to save us. That's a free gift. It's probably true that some people have been bullied into accepting Christ. I think it's probably also true that more people have been invited into accepting Christ through acts of love like our teenagers are doing this week. They're offering people a free gift. None of those people will pay a thing to have their house fixed. They will hear about Christ's love. It will cost them nothing. It is a free gift. It's important for us to remember that God's gift of life to us is free, and therefore God's gift of life to us is eternal. It is without end. It is a constant, never-ending gift. It is for us every moment and every day, even when we say a cuss word when we step on our fishing reel. It's for us in every moment of our life. If it's a gift, if it was a gift given in return to us, then the matter would be settled and there could be no more gift. But God has chosen to give to us freely so that God can give to us every moment of our life, eternal life. We are constantly receiving from God the gift of life. Constantly. Because it's a free gift. Central doctrine of the Reformation was that salvation is by faith alone. And there are some people who would say, but yeah, preacher, don't I have to have faith to be saved? And the answer is yes. Paul says we're saved by grace through faith, he says to us. But he also says this, and this not of yourself, but from God. Faith itself is a gift from Almighty God. It is a free gift to be cherished. We are recipients of a free gift. It doesn't make sense then to turn around and bully people into making payments, does it? Peterson says that he was back in his hometown one time and he thought about going and checking on that fella and see if the conversion had stuck, but he was pretty sure that it hadn't. But you know, conversions that happen when people realize that God has offered us the free gift of life, when people realize the depth of God's love for them because of what we do for them or what we say to them, those, those conversions stick and become lifelong and become new life. It's easy for us to get caught in the idea that somehow we have to earn God's favor, that somehow we have to earn God's love. But the truth is, God's favor, God's love, and God's gift of life are free for us. But like every gift, we must receive it. Like every gift, it will not be forced on us. We must receive it. My prayer for you today is that you in your heart have received Christ as Lord. That you are able to confess with your mouth that He is your Lord.
that you believe in your heart that He was raised from the dead. And Paul tells us that if we believe those things, we will be saved. There is no question. We have God's gift, God's free gift of eternal life. There are no strings attached. There's nothing you have to do today or tomorrow to receive it except believe that it is offered and just accept. God, I accept your free gift of life in Christ. Amen.